Hey everyone, and thank you for checking out this message today. I'm Reed Robinette. I'm the senior pastor at Crossroads Church in Maryland, and we hope this message encourages you and challenges you. We believe that everybody has a next step of faith to take, and I hope this message helps you take yours. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another segment of Still Good News. I'm your host, John O'Contestable, and we believe that Christmas is still good news, or at least it's supposed to be. It's like that classic song, Feliz Navidad, which of course means silent night. But I know we've got parents watching, and you would love to have a silent night. Seems like anything but, as everything seems to be stirring, the little unchkins poke and prod and wish and hope. We oui, wait. Oui. But enough of this bilingual. Let me put it in simple terms. One night changed everything. And maybe your circumstances are crazy, but it can still be silent in your soul. Find rest, because Christmas is still good news, ladies and gentlemen. Well, good morning once again, Crossroads. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. Very nice. I'm doing well. Uh, my name's Jono. I lead down in Eldersburg, but uh, I spent most of my life here in this building uh, since I was 14. I've called Crossroads home. Um, didn't think I'd be in this position. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the adventure of following Jesus in, in part today. But, uh, but I am so glad to be back and see so many familiar faces. So thanks for having me. Uh, we're in this series still Good news. Uh, so call us crazy, but uh, we, we believe that the gospel, that the good news, and that the Christmas story is still good news. This comes straight from uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. When the shepherds appear, or the angels appear, that'd be a total reversal on the story there. When the angels appear to the shepherds and they say, we come bringing good news that what will cause great joy for all people. Uh, and we believe that the good news still causes great joy, and it is still for all people. That includes you this morning. So I hope that you would prepare your heart and mind with me to hear this, this good news, this message that God has for us. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've looked from different perspectives, from the angels bringing this news, um, and, and we kind of had this mantra, if you haven't picked up on it yet, that, that Christ back in Christmas is not as important as Christ back in Christians. Beyond a season and a holiday, uh, th that we would be Christ-like all year long, understanding the good news of the gospel. What, what Jesus did at Christmas was intended to change everything forever uh, and be an invitation to all people. And so we think that it is so vital that we find ways to put Christ back in our lives. And this is not condemning as much as it is encouraging. Meaning, uh, you, if you're anything like me, just need Jesus. Have a daily dependence on Christ that maybe you aren't even aware of. I would venture to say it is as vital as water and air. And so we just need to dive deeper into that understanding together. And that's what we mean, that Christ back in Christians would look like that dependence, that awareness of 
And so the question that kind of shows up is, well, what happened? Um, we're saying still good news because I, I would say there's probably some room for debate if we were to do man on the street style and interview some people that a lot of people might say Christmas is not good news. It's not a good time of year and it comes with lots of difficulty. And, and that's real, but the message of Christmas is still good news that can change sometimes our interaction, our circumstances, the way we see what goes on around us this time of year. It happens to be one of my favorite times of year, and, and I think that it's unique in that the whole world rallies around this. Uh, we're just drawn, we're funneled into Christmas in some way, shape, or form. So maybe they took Christ out of the name, and yet this season is still marked by joy, by occasions, by celebrations, by festivities. It's got its own music. It's got, like everyone presses pause for Christmas for a month. I mean, there's a reason that this holiday is so compelling. And so I would say, might feel like it, stopped being good or it stopped being news, but we believe it's still good news. And today we want to look at Mary and how she uniquely received this good news, how she can teach us, therefore, by extension, how we right now, today, this morning, could still receive good news um, together. So I want to spend some time talking about good news before we move on. I think it's important that we have our terminology squared away. So um, it, it will be just a moment till we get to the word. And, and this is why you came. A, a clarifying distinction. Every week we gather and it is not so that you can hear from Reed and Kevin and me, but from God's word, apart from which I've got no standard, nothing to stand on, no wisdom of my own. So, so please, but first... Good news. Euangelion, right? Somebody once said to me, um, you want jelly on it? That's how they, uh, that's legitimately how they told me to remember it. And I still botched the word. I'm not good at speaking. Um, I never thought I'd be a public speaker, truly. Uh, you, well, you might say I'm good at speaking. I'm just familiar with it at this point. Uh, but I say words wrong all the time. And, uh, and this word, regardless of how you say it, this is what it means. The Greek word meant that there was this lofty, authoritative message from on high. Because we, we kind of take for granted the ease of communication nowadays, right? As soon as we think it, we can send it, say it, uh, reach it, look it up. And, and, and yet that was just not always the case. And that sounds groundbreaking. But really, back then, you had to have money to, to send out a message. You had to have the right people. You, you had to have the means to send a message. You needed to have all sorts of things in place. Sending a message was uh, taxing. It was dangerous. It was exhaustive. It took time. It was treacherous. There were so many things that went into sending a message. So what that implies is that a message only went out when it was deemed really, really important. It was like, this needs to get to everyone. And, and, and nowadays, news is so accessible, I think we lose touch of, of what this news originally meant. P prior to even how we ascribe this to the gospel, this was something that was significant. And, and it was believed that people need to know about uh, this, this news and that it would have some bearing, some weight, some effect in the lives of the people receiving the news. So very practical. Very important when a message would go out. 
And so we've got this message that has gone out. And, and, and I think that this is important in terms of how we interact with the gospel. Before messages go out from us, they have to get in. You have to receive the news before the news goes out. And so we've been saying, are you good news? That's the message of the gospel that, that as we conform more to Christ and are compelled more by his love, that we would become good news to those around us. And, and so that's the simplest test of, uh, you know, understanding, are you, are you good news? And, and how do people receive you? Some of the questions that might come up, if we're being honest, is, well, then what does good mean here? And, and, and the reason I even clarify is I think what happens is good in our mind is what is, makes our life easier, um, more comfortable, less pain and fear, um, safety and security, things that are more guaranteed or, or if we feel we've got control over them. And then the reality of life often is nothing close to that, right? We walk through all sorts of chaos and difficulties and painful things and uncomfortable things. And what we have to understand about this good news is that good here is what's good for you. And we don't always pick what's good for us quickly. Um, I use diet as my example. Um, until I got married, praise the Lord for my wife, I eat good, really good now. But uh, man, it was like drive through every day and, 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 and left to my own choices. I didn't always make the best decisions for me. And, and you might be in the same boat. And so uh, th- there is something to be said for good being good for you. And so this good news might actually do the opposite of what we would consider good. This good news might make you uncomfortable at times. This good news might compel you to go places and do things you've never thought to go and do. And, and, and so we have to understand how this is good for us and, and, and void of the ways that we can sometimes approach it with a different mentality of good. Uh, what do I get out of this? And, and, and yes, this good news is personal before it's public, but we have to wrestle with that question. The, the second side of the good is, you know, when you approach the gospel, there is a layer that you have to face at one point that just says you need a savior. That's what the gospel is implying. The good news is that Jesus came to be savior and Messiah and do what you couldn't do. And there's the complication. See, needing a savior and having one is really good news if you're intimately aware of your need for one. But it also says that you can't do it your way. And your way has not worked. And and your way falls short. And so there's an offensiveness sometimes to the gospel that we have to face. And, and, And so before we even talk about receiving, I understand that those remain obstacles. And the things that stop obstacles, there's shame and pride at every twist and turn when it comes to receiving the good news. Whether I'm too good and don't need it, or I'm too bad and couldn't deserve it. So I don't know which side of the spectrum you might fall on, but call us crazy. We believe it is still good news and it will cause great joy. And, and, and hopefully you can live to see that as you walk through that journey. Now, putting Christ back in Christians... Uh, what happened to the good news of the gospel. I think sometimes we have a temptation to point outwardly, not inwardly, right? It's, the, um, it's probably the world's fault. Can I just say Jesus had the same opportunity presented to him? 
He came into the world of his own choosing, the world that we sometimes are so desperate to get out of, away from, he entered into. And he had the opportunity to uh, complain, to condemn the world as it is. And he even said, I did not come to condemn. What, what he did instead was more often than not, not that he didn't speak to cultural things, but more often than not, instead of complaining, he proclaimed his kingdom. Do you know he mentions it more than anything else? My kingdom has come. A new kingdom has arrived. Seek first the kingdom of God. God's kingdom was what he decided to direct our attention towards. The world's broken. No, no kidding. You know, (laughs) that's not, that's not breaking news. Um, It's just broken. And we know that. Instead, the proclamation of what is so good that we can run to pursue is so important. And so what I think happens for believers, and let's say it's unintentional. This is what I believe is more common for us and things that we wrestle with. That we would, one, see the gospel as good. Like we know, man, this is my lifeline. This has been so encouraging for me, so vital for me. And, and, and then we stop making it news for others. So it's good, but it's not news. And, and D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, the thing that makes the Christian message a gospel is that it is a proclamation of good news. I mean, it has to become news. If it wasn't news, it would have never gotten to you. At some point, someone saw it worthy to share, whether in action or in word. And so you need both good and news. So that leads to the second unintentional thing that can happen for believers over time, which is we see the gospel as news for others, as the solution to the world, but we don't make it good. <laughs> we, we may get a lot of things that the world would say are not good. Jesus so often looked at the outsider with grace and truth for the insider. And again, not hard lines. It wasn't that he didn't have truth um, for the outsider and grace for the insider. But, but so often his messages were grace to those who didn't know another way. To those who didn't know there was another kingdom with a higher hope. And truth to the ones who should have known better. And so we have a temptation and a struggle here that part of putting Christ back in Christian is to say this is good and this is news and they need to be both legs that we stand on. And, and it's got to be good for you too. It, it, it has to find its way sincerely in your heart that, that you would be compelled by it, transformed by it, not just out of obligation, but out of transformation. And so with that, we turn to God's word to hear what he has to say as we learn from Mary and how she uniquely received Christ. We're going to look in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 28. It says this, the angel went to her, Mary, and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never 
end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is God's word. And and in it, Mary conveys these steps of receiving the good news. I I think Mary was the first person to receive it in such a unique way that we have pillars of faith throughout Old Testament, but Mary is the turning point in this New Testament to usher in the Messiah. Can we talk about a very unique and personal experience? And so let's, let's work our way through it. In 28, we see this. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. As far as greetings are concerned, this is a really good one, yeah? This is a great way to start. I mean, if an angel shows up and says, greetings, you highly favored one, you. (laughs) You, uh, the Lord has found favor with you, he is with you. Well, that's really good. Which, which immediately should raise a question in our minds because Mary's response was that she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Have you ever pondered? you ever thought about that reaction? Here's a greeting that sounds really good. And then she's troubled. Now, angels were well acquainted with the do not be afraid announcement. I mean, every time an angel shows up, it's inevitable that they're going to get to the point where they say, do not be afraid. And yet, it's not necessarily or evidently his presence that has her troubled, but his message. So the question, what about his greeting would cause any sense of trouble in her spirit? And and it has to do with this word favored. This word favored in Greek, I love the the definition here. It says um, to pursue with grace or to bless you, endow with grace, to make graceful. So that's a lot of conversation about grace and, and if you've been around, you know that grace is God's unmerited favor. Now, little quiz. Um, whenever God shows us favor, is it unmerited? Yes. <laughs> Great job. Yes. Uh, every time. The Bible says that anyone who breaks even one law is, is disqualified. And, and so God's grace is always unmerited. His favor is, is never deserved. And so the first thing we have to understand as we move forward in receiving the good news of the gospel is this understanding that it actually has nothing to do with you first. It, it has nothing, how you receive the gospel has nothing to do with you first. And praise the Lord. Because if it did, it'd be like everything I talked about earlier. And it wouldn't be good for me. <laughs> if, if I had to work and earn and strive. The good news starts with what God has done. The good news is that God said, I will send my son. He will go to you. Instead of making you try to climb your way up, I will send him down. His favor is on you. Maybe you just haven't heard it. Maybe you just haven't been reminded. Maybe you just haven't thought of how lofty this is. Remember, the gospel is a weighty, weighty, heavy, lofty message. 
It is so important that it would fall on your ears in such a way that it, it applies, it matters, it makes sense. God has favor on you. Maybe you just never even thought about someone having favor on you. Maybe you don't know what that even feels like or what that can do. But grace can produce some really amazing things in us. It really can because when you taste and see the goodness of God through his grace, it will compel you like nothing else. It will change you like nothing else. You won't find grace this side of heaven. And so when you see it, when you find it, it will change you or at least challenge you because of how uncommon, how rare it is, right? Like we don't have a threat of running into a grizzly bear right now, but if you were face to face with one, everything that you did next would be determined by that bear, would it not? It doesn't matter. Like everything you did next would be because there's a bear in the room. Okay. You know, Um, that's where your eyes would be. That's where your thinking would be. That's where your actions would be. And so in the same way, God's grace has an authority to it, a weight to it that makes you go, whoa, what am I going to do next? And here, Mary senses this and he, and he conveys the gospel, says Jesus is coming. The long-awaited Messiah and Savior will arrive and God's going to use you. Why? He says it again in his message, because you have found favor with God. Do you know favor is how we get our word favorite? And, um, and, and favorite, just uh, the way I kind of come to use that terminology, not for stuff, but for people. You know, if you've got um, a favorite, like uh, raise your hands if you're the favorite sibling or child. <laughs> Loud and proud. Come on, people. If nobody's here to fact check you, just go for it, you know? It's Christmas. You can be the favorite today. Yeah! I can say this as a favorite. Um, I have two older siblings, and so maybe it's just I'm the youngest. Um, but, but think of it this way. My sisters would look at how I was punished, um, and it was never equitable. It was not equal to how they were punished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I got away with a lot. And, and here's what I'm saying that for. Because favorite denotes that there's a relationship for one. Right? How important that there would be a relationship there to have a favorite, to have favor on someone. This is to not just know of someone, but to know someone. And the second is that favor reveals grace. I mean, I didn't have equal punishment because my parents loved me more. You know, they just, they, (laughs) (laughs) don't tell my sisters. No, they would agree, actually. That's the funny thing. Um, And so favorite is reflective of favor and favor denotes relationship and grace. And, and, and automatically we have a picture of God and Mary that is so beautiful in terms of receiving the good news of the gospel. But there's a weight to it, this message that is conveyed. It's, it's as if I said, like, um, you know, if, if you were to win the lottery, you, you know, you'd give 90% away, obviously. Um, we're in church and everybody says that, right? So you'd give away a ton. But, but regardless, if you won something of that magnitude, would there not be a weight on you? I mean, they've made movies where every friendship changes because the person got that amount of money. There, there suddenly becomes a burden on you. This is what I mean by good news is not always comfortable news, but it is great. And there is a joy to be found in it. But in taking on this news, she, she hears favor like, okay, God's grace is on me. 
What does this require of me? What does this mean for me? Now, how do I respond? And I love that she responds in faith. Now, she's got questions, as anybody would. In fact, she says, okay, um, I hear the good news. I hear the message. But how? You know? Like, I know how this works, and I don't know how this is going to work. Um, and, and I love that she asks that very practical question. And then the angel's response to me, like, sends me in two different directions. The first is, <laughs> not that I will ever be in her shoes, but I'm like, I don't know if that answer was sufficient. <laughs> like, did that really answer every question that I'd have going on up there? Like, holy cow, what is going on, you know? And, and, and so why? What was so compelling? Because I, I think there's something under the surface here going on. I think there is a distinction that needs to be drawn between knowing and understanding. See, we have this propensity to want to know everything, um, but, but like we don't apply the same rules to the same game every time. Um, there's a philosopher who says it this way. There's a great difference between knowing and understanding. You can know a lot about something and still not really understand it. And in the same way, you can understand something without knowing a whole lot about it. Um, it it's, it's simple analogies. It's the fact that your brain knows where every organ in your body is and it won't tell you, right? And, and you're like, well, that's pretty interesting. But, but we just understand that it works till it doesn't. We just understand. We don't really question the civil engineering of a bridge, but we just understand how it works. But suddenly when we get to faith, we want to know everything before we can go forward, right? What, what convinces us that that's the case? I mean, I'm, I'm a horrible judge of what's next. I, I can try to predict things all the time. I tell Kenzie, I find myself saying actually all the time, you know, actually that was totally not what I expected. I can conjure up a thousand imaginary situations in my mind and guess how many come to fruition? Bingo! We're horrible at it. So why do we think knowing will actually equal like understanding sometimes? And so what I think is happening right here is that to have favor from God is to have understanding that triumphs over any knowledge. I think she reaches this place of like, I don't get it, but I get it. Um, I, I think there's a distinction between thinking and feeling. God gave us feelings, and while they can get us in a whole bunch of trouble sometimes, they also can be revealing of times we understand something without knowing something. You ever experienced that? When we talk about the joy of the good news, I think it is an understanding, not a knowledge. If you try to, try to know how formulaically there's joy from this story, Good luck. I mean, we, we're going to, you know, illuminate some of it from God's word today, but, but at some point, knowledge falls short of the experience of joy from the good news of the gospel. It just begins to take root in your heart and change you, change everything about you and the way that you see and interact with the things that happen around you that you, that you can't control and predict. So suddenly we see Mary um, demonstrate this understanding. And, and it's so humble to see her exhibit it. The first lesson in receiving is, is God's favor. But then the second lesson that we see is humility, that she would respond in humility to say what she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
May your word to me, may your word and your will come to fruition. May it be done. Let it be so. Do you know that's a statement of faith if ever there was one? That is a, I don't know what's next, but I trust you. See, when you've got favor on you from God, it will do things in you. I'm telling you, when you, when you truly experience it, you will find yourself being more humble because you understand I don't deserve this. And you will find yourself being more willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. And I'll tell you, God's will will be fulfilled, period. He does not need you to say yes. But when you have faith like Mary from favor from God, you get to live to see fulfillment and be a part of the fulfillment. And and that pattern starts to create joy that builds and snowballs and grows and changes everything. I love that only a chapter later, now mind you, one chapter later, just because we can read it in five minutes, there's nine plus months here of, of questions and agony and, and social difficulties that she would have faced as a woman who was pregnant at her age. I'm talking difficult things. And we have a propensity to just zoom past the reality, the emotional experiences of Mary, simply because we are familiar with the story. And yet on the other side of challenges, on the other side of discomfort, on the other side of accepting this good news, what happens in, in chapter two, it says this, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed. That's good news. And what they Uh, The shepherd said to him, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She pondered them in her heart. Do you see some parallels here that when the angels showed up, she wondered, and then she asked a practical question. And here she still ponders these things. It's as if to say she doesn't have it all figured out. Here's a new mom holding a baby. I don't have to be there yet to understand that um, that's crazy. My mom would always say the process you have to go through to adopt a dog is like ridiculous nowadays, but um, you just have a baby and two days later they're like, see ya. No, you can't stay here. You're like, when does it eat? <laughs> does it stop crying? Where's the user instruction manual here? You know, and, and so here's a woman who does not have all the answers. She's still surrounded by animals and, and chaos and And she started to treasure up things because she started to see God fulfill his promise because no word from God will ever fail. And so she begins to see the faithfulness of God, not just the favor from God. Ah, that's when you start to see joy more and more in our lives. Her humility carried her through things that it would, it would behoove us, it would be so wise and good of us to, to remain humble in the message we have. You want to know how you are good news? It's not in pride. It's never in pride. No one likes pride in other people. We don't see it in ourselves, but we don't like it in other people. I, I love this quote. It says, um, one of the hardest things to do in life is to be right and not hurt anyone with it. 
You want to know how to be good news? Believe that this is the best news there is, but don't hurt anyone in your, in your attempts to convey it, in your attempts to show it and share it with others. Be good news. And so uh, I just love that Mary has a perspective on the redemptive story that we get to accept today. We get to be reminded of today. What Mary shows us is this picture of start to end redemption. See, the story of the Bible is one story of how God loves us. And, and from beginning to end, you might not feel like that's true as we dive in, but I'm telling you the entire thing was this redemptive plan that God had for you. And, and, and it starts in Genesis we are created, but then mankind turn our back. We turn away from God. We choose something else to, to trust, to worship, to focus on. And we still do this as if anything else could solve the solution to our heart's desire. If you have an infinite desire that cannot be satisfied in this world, as C.S. Lewis says, you were created for a different world and a God who can only unlimitlessly uh, provide can satisfy the desires in our heart. And so we see that the curse for this uh, turning point was that mankind, uh, females would have pain in childbirth and that men would have to work against thorn and thistle by the sweat of their brow. And here Mary, the first one I believe to truly know who Jesus was, to truly accept that he was Messiah and Lord of her life. The first one to know that he was God's promise in the flesh. She brought him into the world by the pains of childbirth. And then she was one of the few people who was there when he breathed his last, when he said it is finished when the redemptive work took root. And so she saw her son with a brow of blood by a crown of thorns, fulfilling this, this journey of redemption, bringing it to completion, and then inviting all of us, the good news of the gospel, to step into new life through him. You need a savior. And depending on where you are today, that might be hard to accept, or it might be the most comforting news that you could possibly imagine. We believe it's still good news. It still causes great joy. And so right now I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to worship together, but here's what I want us to be praying and thinking about. Here's what I want. I don't know which one fits you, but I want you to be reminded or receive the good news today. That requires understanding what God has done first. And I just laid it out for you. He made it as easy as possible to simply say yes. You might say, how can I leave what I've got in a season that I'm in to go to God? Well, the good news is Emmanuel is God with us. Jesus said, I'll go the distance to meet you where you are, to be with you where you are. Receiving the good news is as simple as saying, yes, I've got faith. But, but not just that. I, I want us to, as we leave from this place, be those who bring good news. That our message, why should we ever have reason to complain? I'm telling you, the one thing that would set Christians apart from the rest is if we simply didn't complain because we saw a different option. Instead of complaining, we proclaim. 
for the kingdom to come, for the kingdom that is, and for the good news that changes lives. And then, and then, that we would be good news. That it would, that it would uh, graft itself to our heart and transform us. That we would continue to look like good news to those around us. I love that this is the gospel that Mary reveals and teaches us how to receive. So church, let me pray over us. God, I pray that, that this news, Lord, would still be good. Lord, that it wouldn't just be our solution to the world around us. Lord, it wouldn't just be uh, news uh, that's cold and dead, Lord, but that it would be filled with life and bring life. Lord, that we would wake up to your reality in this place today. That your word would stir us up and spur us on, Lord, towards love and good deeds as we go from this place. Lord, that Mary's dependency grew in her obedience. That her faith towards you grew. And so, God, I pray that in this place, faith would form, faith would grow, and faith would go with us, God. We just love you. We thank you. And it's in your name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. This message was a part of the ministry of Crossroads Community Church. To support Crossroads and make more messages like this available, you can click Give Now in the description below. And to find out more information on all of Crossroads Ministries, go to crossroads140.com. If you enjoyed the message today, don't forget to follow us or subscribe to our channel. And we hope to see you again soon.